When God chooses to redeem you, he removes you, he separates you, he redefines you, but then he also decides to use you as a holy instrument in his hands. And so to call ourselves towards holiness, does it mean to live moral lives? That's a part of it. But more than that, it means to recognize our identity and our value as instruments in his hands to do his will and his purpose. And of course, the perfect example of holy is Jesus. Jesus certainly was moral, but more than that, he was the full manifestation of God everywhere he went, bringing about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we talk about ourselves being holy, certainly God's instruments are prepared, ready, cleaned, sharpened, moral, separate, but they're also ready to be used yeah. for his kingdom. Well, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to say. That was, that was beautiful. On his trip to Lahore, Das often rolled with cigarette in his mouth. He smoked five packs of cigarettes a day and got energy from drinking countless cups of tea. <laughs> what is that? He he told, you got the right program. Oh, yeah. He told the Los Angeles Times, I move during cyclones, during blazing summers and cold winters. I think of God. I think of Mother Earth. And then I roll and roll and roll. I don't get dizzy. I don't consume any food, just tea and cigarettes. At night, I eat fruits, roti, whatever I can lay my hands on. Come on, guys, don't act shocked. This is a sadhu, Indian holy man. In other words, a holy roller. Holy roller. <laughs> so the other guys <laughs> that cover themselves with cow urine and mud. Oh, yeah, yeah. all kinds of stuff. That's very exciting. Uh, there was a guy, I remember years ago, I, I taught a sermon, and I found this guy in one of your famous Guinness Book of World Records that you used to give us for Christmas, right? And this guy rolled like oh, a, like almost a 1,000 miles or a few thousand miles rolled? or something. Yeah, they roll. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Oh, and then, but they, they're holy men. They smoke cigarettes That's and roll all. and roll and tea. Ray, tea causes kidney stains. <laughs> you started a rumor. <laughs> Ray, did you stop drinking tea? Only because you said that after I'd had my four operations for a kidney stone. You say if breathing causes kidney stones, I would have stopped. Oh, I got to be careful what I tell Ray. I mentioned someone told me that tea can cause kidney stones. He dropped tea like a bad habit. There's no way that is true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. They roll, Mark. Oh, I thought I was talking about, about the tea. No, tea. I'm talking about the tea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> tea. A doctor of told me that, but who knows? Maybe yeah. he's a bad doctor. Is he a Lebanese doctor? Yes, he my doctor. So today we're talking about holiness, gentlemen, in case you haven't figured that out. Then why must you start with a dad joke? <laughs> I didn't. I talked about the holy man who rolls. One guy, the guy that I talked about from Guinness Book World Records, his name was Baba, Sadu Baba, which you know what Baba means in Arabic, Mark. Baba. I mean, what do you click? Does it mean dad? Yeah, you know my dad, Baba. He used to live next to you. Yeah. Does Baba mean dad? Yeah. Your I, dad's I don't know what it means in Indian. But. I remember seeing a, an Indian holy man on a 20 foot pole sitting up there. 
20 years. <laughs> it was a picture of him. And another holy man with his hand in the air. Yes. His hand had withered right. because he'd had up there so long. As a Maybe second. he had a yeah, question. Yeah. Now, he's a guy that I, <laughs> his teacher was very no, slow to answer. I have a picture of him. I used to use that. I think that came from the same Guinness Book World Records. Really? Yeah, his, his nails had like rotted and they were like... Because he kept his hand up? Yeah, yeah for 23 years. To yeah. Uh, yeah, to a, the, the Hindu god Shiva, I think. Yeah. So we're talking about holiness today, guys. Ray, why is your hand still raised? <laughs> Are you I going for the record? I think it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> don't you do that? Wait, don't you do that before you fall, like when you want to sleep or something? Or Oh, no, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, no, Winston Churchill would hold on to his car keys. Oh, no, don't bring up Winston. And, and oh, <laughs> that's no. right, Mark's going to do it. Mark's going for the quotes. All right. Yeah, he, he, I have the same experience as Winston Churchill. He would sleep for 30 seconds and feel refreshed. If I sleep for 10 minutes, I feel kind of grumpy when I wake up. But if I can have a one to two minute nap, I feel really refreshed. So he'd, he'd hold his car keys in his hand, just go, and they'd drop and wake him up and he'd jump up refreshed. Is that why you're always falling asleep during our podcast? It's only when, it's only when you talk. Ray, take a power nap. <laughs> oh, I feel much better. Oh, that's so cool. Easy. Remember that that girl inside of our youth group over at uh, uh, the church we used to a pastor at? That when she would fall asleep, she'd fall asleep with her arm up. Her arm would begin to go up. What? No, I don't remember her. And it would, it would swing over. Was there a balloon type? You, you totally remember her. I, I want to say her name. lie to make friends. Come on. Seriously? Yes. <laughs> a good friend right, of mine. Have to tell me later. A good friend of mine got, have, uh, preached for his very, I have one friend. He preached for the very first time at our church. And uh, afterwards, I was like, how do you think it went? He's like, oh, I think it went pretty good. There was only one person that fell asleep, and it was my son-in-law. <laughs> during his own sermon. Oh. Yeah. It's embarrassing a when you've, without honor, you've been preaching at a church and someone says, how did it go? And I like to say the teaching was incredible. <laughs> yeah, how do you respond? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, guys, holiness is one of those words. It's almost like good works. We've talked about that before. When that's brought up, it almost immediately raises red flags with people. You know, because there has been abuse with those sorts of things, and holiness is one of those things. And so, at the same time, we know it's extremely important biblically that Christians pursue holiness, live in holiness, are passionate about holiness. Should we define what it's not? Because uh, if you look up the dictionary, it tells us it mentions the Dalai Lama and the Pope. Yeah. And so, so Ray, why don't you, yeah, why don't you start off with that? But before that, Ray, there's something you <laughs> often say to people. Were you laughing or coughing? Because you said, because you said, <laughs> why don't you start but before? <laughs> <laughs> we need a preface. I heard you say this, in fact, recently someone was interviewing you and they were complimenting you and you asked them to call you something specific. Oh, no, often they, um, they grab out my bio from a web page and it's quite long when it's written out, but when they read it, it becomes really embarrassing. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, so, so how do you diffuse it? I just say, I, I, I just, just please humbly call me your holiness. <laughs> and that, that's, that, that sums it all up. That's so good. But really, if you check the dictionary, it, it, it just gives a wrong impression of a holiness. It's like it's sinlessness. Someone, mm, but yeah. but I, I, I strive to be holy. I know I have to. It just means separation from sin and from the world. I'm not sinless. I know what I am. And the person that put the keyboard on my computer knew what he was doing because the R is next to the Y. And often I type Ray, uh, rat. Comfort. <laughs> rat comfort. I've done rat that comfort. a few times with you. you. Type rat? <laughs> right, rat. <laughs> yeah, so it reminds me of what I am. It kind of keeps me grounded. Yeah. And my heart is wicked. And there's nothing sinless about me or you or Oscar or Mark. You know, holiness is one of those words, as we find in the scriptures, that is, is 
deep with meaning and very nuanced. And it's difficult to oversimplify what it means. Uh, what's that? Nuanced, nuanced, mean, nuanced, nuanced, uh, varied in understanding. Thank you. I just Ooh, made that up. Hopefully that's that accurate enough. Has Someone nothing to do with nuance. <laughs> Sounds good though, right? I'm a fact checker. You too. have to say yeah. it with confidence and everyone believes you. Mm. Um, that was very poignant. Thank you. Ooh. But holiness, it, it does. It's very nuanced in the scriptures. And when we try to oversimplify it in the English language, we often lose what the scriptures mean for it to mean. D.A. Carson, I think, does a really good job of helping us understand what holy and holiness is. In one sense, he, he, he says it is in some way, it means separate. But at the end of the day, even that loses a bit of something. Because if you look at you know the, the, the angels in heaven, they're not just sitting there saying separate, separate, separate is the Lord God Almighty. It loses some luster. And it also doesn't just mean moral, though that has something to do with it. Because as, as he would say again, it, it's not like the angels are saying, moral, moral, moral is the Lord God Almighty. And so he categorizes it as both a communicable and an incommunicable attribute. Communicable attributes of God, of course, are the things that we share with him, right? God is love. We are capable of love. But God also has incommunicable attributes, attributes that we don't share with him. God does not call us to be omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. Right. When we see the word holy, in some ways, it's incommunicable. It's an adjective for God and God alone. God is holy. But then what seems to happen is that God then assigns holiness to instruments that he uses. As an example, the shovel he uses to move the coals in Revelation, he calls that shovel holy. Or in 1 Peter, he calls his saved and redeemed people holy. And so in a way, when God chooses to redeem you, he removes you, he separates you, he redefines you, but then he also decides to use you as a holy instrument in his hands. And so to call ourselves towards holiness, does it mean to live moral lives? That's a part of it. But more than that, it means to recognize our identity and our value as instruments in his hands, to do his will and his purpose. And of course, the perfect example of holy is Jesus. Mm. Jesus certainly was moral, but more than that, he was the full manifestation of God everywhere he went, bringing about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we talk about ourselves being holy, certainly God's instruments are prepared, ready, cleaned, sharpened, moral, separate but they're also ready to be used yeah. for his kingdom. Well, thanks for joining us today. I got nothing to say. That was, that was beautiful. Yeah, Oscar, well put. You know, you guys know Jerry Bridges is one of my favorite authors. The guy is, man, he's one of those extremely unassuming type of people. When you read his biography, we, we're just, we're reading it as a family. In fact, we're almost done with finishing it, but, but it's called uh, He Took Me By The Hand. And it's just his life story and how God's used him. Very humble man. But one of us, uh, yeah, one, one of, of us, me, one of, us. one of me, and he talks a lot about the balance, you know, between dependence on God and then discipline. And I love that because you you rarely see that balance struck 
in a, in a good and healthy way. But I love this quote by him. He said, scripture speaks of both a holiness we already possess in Christ before God and a holiness in which we are to grow more and more. The first is a result of the work of Christ for us. The second is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. The first is perfect and complete and is ours the moment we trust Christ. The second is progressive and incomplete as long as we are in this life. The objective holiness we have in Christ and the subjective holiness produced by the Holy Spirit are both gifts of God's grace and are both appropriated by faith. And that's that balance, right? We have that positional holiness. We're, we're perfect in the sight of God because we have the perfect righteousness of Christ. But then there's that holiness that we grow in, that subjective holiness of, of working out what we possess from the standpoint of who we are, you know? And so that's so important. And I want us to kind of dive into that because we're seeing, I think, more and more of a departure from holiness. But let, let's jump in with 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. I think, Oscar, you might have cited it. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And we've already highlighted that that word carries with it the idea of being set apart. For God, it has the, that sense of sacredness. It means different from the world, distinguished, distinct. And so that's what I don't see a lot of anymore. It's this sort of abuse of grace. I'm holy, I'm saved, I'm, I'm completely set in the Lord. And there isn't this passionate pursuit of that subjective holiness, that practical holiness in our lives. You're talking about something that's evident, you can see in yeah. somebody? Yeah, yeah like a, kind of a, a proactive discipline toward godliness that Scripture talks about. Mm. We don't see that a lot. And Mark, can you highlight maybe some of the things that prevent people from going hard after God in that pursuit of holiness? Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. There'd be a love for this world, you know, a love for money, a love for praise, Anything along those, that vein would prevent you. Uh, you know, Paul Tripp, in talking about the attributes of God, he said, you know, holiness is unlike any of the other attributes yeah. in that it's the hardest to fully comprehend that we have to allow our minds to go on a journey in order to attempt to grasp what it fully means to be holy, right? He, and he says, you know, if I was at a ball game, and I saw this guy, came back, and I was trying to explain this guy to you. And I said, the guy that I saw, he was huge. No, no, he was huge. He was huge, huge, 
huge. Why is that reminding me of a certain president? But anyway, go on. Huge. 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 You, get, you get dropped the H. Huge. His name was Hugh. <laughs> Last name Jeff. You know, what you can safely conclude was that this guy was probably the biggest guy that I've ever seen inside my life. And now we start talking about the attributes of God, right? Can you think of another attribute where it says he is omnipresent, omnipresent, omnipresent? No, because we can begin to grasp, you know, what, what each attribute means. But when you start talking about the holiness, and this is what God is calling us to be, to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be altogether different, to be holy. Listen to this. This is what Paul goes on to Mark, say. Mark, you just made a good point I want you to bring up. You're talking about Isaiah, Isaiah where it says, holy, holy, holy. Right. That's what your reference was. Yeah, and the that. angels can say whatever they want yeah. to say. Right? They can say if they wanted to say, I would imagine, omnipresent, omnipresent, omnipresent. But there's something about being in the presence of God that the first thing that comes out of their mouth is holy. Wow. Boy, that's it's goosebumply, right? Yeah, <laughs> goosebumply. Is that a word? I like I like that word. Let's add that to Webster's. So Paul Tripp he goes on to say, in the same way, holy, holy, holy. It's meant to stretch the boundaries of your imagination, and whatever you think of when you hear that God is holy, you need to know that God is in an entirely different category of holiness. He is much holier than you ever thought holiness can be. But even holy, holy, holy was not enough for the seraph as he tried to capture God's holiness. He had to add, the whole earth is filled with his glory. And how great is the holiness of the Lord of hosts, great enough to fill the whole earth. Again, these words are crafted under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to take your imagination where it is never gone. They're meant to blow your mind with a thought that God is unlike anything you've ever encountered. They're meant to humble you with the realization that God is fundamentally different from you, yet he's calling you to be holy. Wow. <laughs> well, I just, I love that. I'm when so you glad st- I wrote that for Paul <laughs> <laughs> Stretch the boundaries of the imagination. It's just, it, this is going to go off on a little tangent, but I have a crazy imagination. Imagination can be used for good or bad. God destroyed the earth because the imagination man was continually evil. But using it in, in reference to God is just a, it opens up a whole new world. I, I know when I drive, I have seen, I remember once I saw a, a German shepherd about a quarter of a mile in front of me that had been killed on the road. It was, I could see its head and its legs were twisted and that. It was just about made me throw up and I got closer to it. It was just, it was just a jacket that had fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, are you serious? What? It was just a jacket falling off some homeless guy's bike, and it was sitting in the road. But I could see the head, I could see the arms, the legs. <laughs> and I was just about throwing up as I come. This is just awful. I was going to call a pound or something and say, "Come and clean this up." But it just shows the power of the imagination, and you can use it for good in so many realms. I mean, anything we create, we imagine first. God imagined before He said, "Let there be light." I, I presume. Great. Uh, what? What do you know? No, feel free to button. It's a gift you have. It's a gift you have. <laughs> My spiritual gift. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you, ha- you have a gift of that. You, Ken Ham, and I were recently texting, and there was uh, some cream something in a 
Oh, that's tea. Right. <laughs> what do you say? I see Moses in there reading, <laughs> reading something. Why would I say that in a Russian accent? Really <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I, I really do. I, I didn't. Well, Ken Ham said send it to the Catholics. It's <laughs> <laughs> Moses reading a book. Just yeah. cream. Yeah. yeah and I can, Where were we? Uh, but I'm not alone. But I can look at clouds. And a lot of people look at clouds and see things in clouds. Yeah. In fact, on the, online, you, you see, look, there's a big cat and a dog running. In, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but seriously, when you go back to the, the thought of God, there's no boundaries when you let your imagination be held captive by Scripture, but explode through what the gift of the imagination. Yeah, no, I love that, that thrice spoken holy, you know, the seraphim covering their eyes, covering their feet. I mean, think of that imagery as a reflection on how holy God is. Let me cover my, my feet even. Guys, my you're eyes. feeling a sense of excitement talking about the holiness. Oh, yeah. You think about the world, there's four guys talking about holiness. They say, whoa, that's just so <laughs> nauseating a subject, you know. Yeah. But when you become a Christian, you find treasure in Scripture and treasure in God. We have treasure in earthen vessels yeah. and such an excitement to talk about the Lord. You consider wings covering the feet of which have never touched dirt. Wow. Right? I, one commentator has, had brought that out. You could have wings covering the eyes. Perhaps they'd have seen unholy or unwholesome things, but covering the feet of which have never touched anything yeah. that has been unholy or unpure. Let me go back real quick and talk about No. <laughs> I want to talk about what you said, Ray, about imagination, because I could imagine that a skeptic or an atheist might be like, oh, yeah, that you have to use your imagination to imagine God. But let me, let me just clarify here that God has given us our imagination, and it, and it is for us to use to better understand reality. So if you think about even individuals who design skyscrapers, in some sense, they have to use their imagination to be able to create something that's never been created before. Or think about it like this, if you think about love, for example, if you pulled imagination out of love and you tried to explain love to somebody just from a nihilistic perspective, you would stop looking at your wife and, or husband and saying, all of the poetic things that you say, you would dilute love down into saying something like, when I look at you, my neuron and synapses fire off, telling me that we should procreate. <laughs> That's what love becomes without uh, imagination. Easy. What a but, funny little Fagin laugh. <laughs> that was really good. But what we need, we need poets. We need artists. Yes. We need people to be able to help us give words and paint pictures to better understand what love really is. What we need is our imaginations to be engaged to understand the world around us. And that's the same when it comes to God. That's good. Rachel had to have a really good imagination to love me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You know, the whole concept of having an example, you know, because again, 1 Peter 1.15 is really telling us, follow God's example. God is holy, God is separate, God is different, God is set apart, be that way. And you know, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, therefore having these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Sometimes the way I hear some people talk, you get the impression that the Bible says absolutely nothing about proactively pursuing holiness or godliness. And the opposite is true, but it's again, because of who we are, because of what we have, you know, it's like when you look at your kid and you say, you are smart, you can do better in school. 
you know, A pluses aren't good enough. A plus plus is what you need. These are the conversations we have in my house. I, I was going to say it. I was, it really sounds like how easy is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm very gracious with my children. Yes, I know that. But, but no, you but know, not but us. seriously, like we'll do that with someone. We'll say, hey, you could do better than this. You're smart, right? You possess a certain attribute and you're not living up to that potential. It's not, hey, you idiot, try to become smarter. It's you have this, now live it out. You know, it's a coach rather than a slut. Persistent. Oh persistent. man, persistent. I had something brilliant to say. Oscar overtalks and Mark sneezes. <laughs> Here it is. It's a coach rather than a slave driver. Ooh. The coach pushes on, gets the best out of you. A slave driver just whips you. That's deep, Ray. Was that inspired by your newly growing beard that's coming back? Yeah, I'm just so excited. <laughs> so I've been looking in the mirror more than I've looked in the mirror before. I'm really excited about growing this beard back. <laughs> the new one? Yeah, I'm just thinking about how great God yeah. is that every hair he's made on my chin has got a certain direction that it's growing in. But Ray, who does that, though? On a whim, you see a commercial for a shaver... And you get up and shave your beard so you can use it? No, no, no. You just haven't explained it. Let me explain it probably. I was watching television and it was a brawn shaver with a floating head and it was blue. And oh. it was a very handsome guy. Yes. And the way he was shaving was like he was just, it was just such a great experience. And I just got pulled into it and I says, I'd like one of those shavers. And Sue reminded me I have a beard and I don't shave. So I went and fixed it. Oh. I wanted to see what was behind the hedge and I didn't like it. So it's coming <laughs> you back. You forgot what was there. It was that <laughs> yes. long. Yeah. Oh, Ray, seriously, the way you're influenced by commercial, it's like if someone was advertising Hey, get these lice in your hair. Where to get those? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I life. am so easily sucked in by infomercials. Seriously, oh. it's just not funny. There was a Jerry Lewis movie years ago where he would stand there and this eccentric red-headed lady was watching TV. Anything that came on, he had to run out and buy it for her. Well, I can do that on Amazon. Oh, they bring it to my way. door. And so it's real scary for me because I'm so easily sucked in by someone saying, this is just so good. And for Ray, it's not as seen on TV. It's as seen in his closet. <laughs> Pretty much. But for those who don't know, Ray obviously normally walks around with a full beard. And as of right now, he had shaved it a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, he has a mustache and something else growing underneath it. It's touchable. Ray, you've it's been working on that. of a chia pet. You've been working on that for a week. That takes me like 30 seconds to grow. I know, I'm very blessed. I had friends in school that were about 10 years old that had full beards. That, you know, you feel sorry. Blue, they got this bluish face that just manifests during the day. You know why I grow facial hair so quick? Could hide your face? No, I, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is a benefit for others. Uh, no, it's because of my Arab hair etage. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Dad, well, I'm 37. I'm still waiting for my first beard to come in. I'm waiting really? for the first hair to pop <laughs> on your face. The cat keeps what licking it off. About today? The uh, cat keeps licking it off, Oscar. <laughs> so it, I love this quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Holiness is not something we are called upon to do in order that we may become something. It is something we are to do because of what we already are. Ooh, so that's a mic drop quote. Would you right say there. sanctification and holiness are synonyms? Are they separate? Are they the same thing? Well, holiness is a part of the process of sanctification and it's practical pursuit. You know, as God is sanctifying us, and as Jerry Bridges said, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit is working that in us and we are uh, complying, I mean, look, sanctification is synergistic, right? Salvation is monergistic, 
It's God who does it all, right? He justifies and, and, and does that. Sanctification is synergistic in that, yes, God's spirit is working in us, but God calls us to comply. And we can stunt our growth in, in holiness and in sanctification if we, if we you know, resist and decide to, to walk in sin and disobedience and rebellion. Would it be like Lazarus? Jesus called him out of the grave. He did the work to bring him alive. And then he had to get up and walk out and unwrap. Yeah. Can you imagine if Lazarus <laughs> decided not to? No. I no. thought of that. <laughs> Come you forth. just hear him behind the rock. I'm all right. I'm, having... <laughs> I'm tired, man. <laughs> Come back later. <laughs> I know. You can probably say I'm all wrapped up at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you stinketh, Lazarus. You know, I started listening to a sermon by J.I. Packer who said, if I had, and it, he was older in age, 80-something, one of the last sermons he gave at a chapel service, and he said, if I, I was given the opportunity to speak about anything I wanted to talk about here, there's only one subject I want to talk about for the rest of my life, and it's on God's holiness. And he spent the first 10 minutes talking about why he chose to speak on holiness, and he didn't get to the sermon yet, and I had turned it off. But I'm going to get back to it, and I'm going to listen to it. Have you That's guys ever listened to R.C. Sproul's series on holiness of God? No, it's good. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, we watched it as a family. I, back when I was in, in Bible college, we watched it in one of my classes, and it was riveting. Yeah. It's probably his best preaching series, I Speaking would say. Speaking of Armenianism, didn't Wesley, <laughs> didn't, Wesley, <laughs> didn't Wesley start a holiness club before he was saved? You know the history of that? Wesley, yeah. yeah. Uh, was it before he was saved? It might have been, actually. He was still in works. And, uh, yeah, the Moravians. The he saw the Moravians. That's right, on I the think, ship. En route to, to, to mm-hmm. the United States. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? I went to convert the Indians. Indians and realized I wasn't converted myself, something wow. like that. And who's going to convert me or That's something like right, that? Yeah. yeah. And then God opened his eyes. Yeah. I want to get back to you, you, the idea of pursuing holiness because you bring up a really important point, which is that holiness, even though in some ways that God justifies us when we get saved, he sets us apart. And so he does assign to us a holiness. We are instruments in his redeeming hands. But as you put it, we also have this sanctifying pursuit of holiness, this synergistic movement towards holiness. Because the thing is, is that we don't naturally gravitate towards holiness. When we sit idle, we're ultimately being pushed back by the current of sin. D.A. Carson put it like this. He says, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we've been liberated. Ooh. So speaking of that, and I thought that was a very good definition, how do we practically work out holiness today? I mean, listening to what am I supposed to do right yeah. after listening to this podcast? Right. Would it be to read the word, obey the word, and have a sense of conscience, a conscience that's devoid of offense towards God and man? Mm. Yeah. You know, Oscar, you use the word pursue, and this was a verse that I wanted to share, and he, it's Hebrews twelve fourteen. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. We're called to pursue it. And you pose a good question. What does that practically look like? Let me say that there is one thing in particular that you read, again, in what you just 
Red Dust Oscar that I think is a hindrance to the pursuit of holiness. And Mark, I'd love you to touch on this. And that's legalism mm-hmm. or the sense that you're going to be legalistic or that others are going to call you legalistic. Why don't you define legalism, Mark, and, and what that is in contrast to the genuine pursuit of holiness? Well, legalism, by definition, is a set of rules that one sets up. Bear in mind that it is set up, I believe, because you want to be more spiritual. You want to be perhaps even more holy, but you go beyond the the scope of Scripture, right? And you set a burden, a load, a weight upon you that God never designed for you to bear. Here's an example. You know, imagine if you hear somebody's going to go to Disneyland and you begin to think to yourself, well, you're going to go to Disneyland. That's not a real redemption of time. Imagine how much scripture you can read during that time. (laughs) Or imagine how many books you'll be able to read or sermons you'll be able to listen to. You're not redeeming the time. And so you begin to put a burden, a weight upon somebody that they were never designed and intended to hold. They turn back around and go, well, what are you going to do? You go, well, I'm going to go read the word, then I'm going to go catch a Laker game. (laughs) They go, a Laker game? How is watching a Laker game a redemption of the time, right? And so it's a weight. God has freely given us all things, unless it is explicitly sin, you know? God has freely kind of given us all things to kind of enjoy, Mm -hmm. right? You can go enjoy camping. You can go fishing to the glory of God. You can eat to the glory of God. You can eat tabbouleh to the glory of God. Oh, praise the Lord. But whatever you do, you do it all to the glory of God. So you can go to Disneyland to the glory of God or watch a Laker game. Even though LeBron, as woke as he is, <laughs> is on that. And I, and I just saw last night that he's not in the top, one of the top five players in the NBA. Ooh, he's dropping. He's dropping fast. So basically, Mark, to sum it up, legalism would be creating extra biblical rules that you impose on yourself and others with the sense that this is like law, right? Yeah. I mean, it's tied in with the, with the word law, legal. So it's, it's basically creating these things and setting that up as a standard. And it's an extra biblical one. I mean, the Pharisees did that, yep. right? They would come at things like Jesus dealt with it all the time on the Sabbath day. You know, they would create these extra biblical rules. And Jesus talked about them, the commandments of men. And he said, by them, you, you basically nullify the law of God. They would set up their own standards and then they, they use loopholes in them right? Honor your father and mother. But if I say whatever I own is korban or willed now to the temple so that now I don't have to honor my parents with it. So there's always these hypocritical loopholes when it comes to legalism. And it's different from pursuing holiness because pursuing holiness is saying, I love the Lord. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I want to grow in the Lord. You're not looking at others and saying, you need to do what I do in order to be right with God. Oscar, does that Absolutely. I think the key, and Augustine helps us understand this. Augustine, definitely. He wasn't Jewish. (laughs) Augustine helps us. The verse that brought him to a saving faith was Romans 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And the thing that he realized there is that there's two aspects of that. There is certainly a call to make no provision, to put sin to death. But there's another call, a call towards holiness that is also a putting off and then a putting on, a putting on of Jesus Christ, right? When we understand and we see God for who he is and we love him for who he is, we're no different than a little kid who looks up to his father, 
who wants to be like his father, right? When, when your kids come downstairs in the morning and they see you reading God's word, that inspires them to want to read God's word. Yeah. When they see you loving your wife and honoring her, it tells them something about how to treat women, right? Kids are looking at their parents to try to shape and mold who they are at a very young age. And when we see God as our father who stopped at nothing, even sending his own begotten son to die for us, we see his love for us, then we in turn love him and we want to put on Christ. We want to be like him. And it is that type of pursuit that moves us away from legalism and towards an an authentic Christian faith that desires to be holy like our father in heaven is holy. You know, legalism often is devoid of laughter. Yeah. Legalists don't have a nice, loose, fun sense of humor. Some of those godly men I've known in the past were just funny. You know, <laughs> and they love to laugh and joke and be silly. And I think that that's part and parcel with being a person who understands that our righteousness comes from Christ, that we're sealed in our salvation. I think there are a lot of people that will give sometimes lip service to the understanding that we're saved by grace through faith, apart from anything we've done. But then their actions seem to indicate that they're really trying to earn God's favor. You know, not, not that perspective of, Lord, you saved me and I want to just, I want to honor you and, and please you, right? Well, as Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, whether absent or present, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. But it's not so that we can be accepted by him. Because we're accepted, we want to please our father. We want to glorify and honor him. But I like, I like what you touched on, Oscar. It's that, I think... It's not a pursuit of holiness itself, really. It's a pursuit of God. As you seek after God, you love God, you want to know God, you're going to grow in that element of being set apart and being different. And this is to Ray's point, you know, how do we grow in holiness? And that is, there's a difference between legalism and disciplines. We want to practice godly disciplines of prayer and reading God's word and meditating and singing and speaking to one another in spiritual songs and hymns, making melody in our heart one for another. And this brings about the holiness and the purity that should personify what a believer, what a child of God truly looks like. We should reflect Christ. So there are these little incremental steps that we can take, and we call them small things. That's just a small thing. Well, don't despise those small things because those small things are the biggest things in your life that God is requiring of you. Yes, turn off the TV. As much as you're into that episode or into that movie, get up and walk away. That's not honoring to the Lord. And as you take those little steps, you are pursuing holiness and righteousness. Mm. And I'll tell you, you are at that stage, at that moment, you're growing in holiness. Yeah. And I think, Ray, maybe you can touch on this. There's this sense of, hey, I want to be authentic and genuine. So if I were to read the word right now and I don't feel like doing it, then I'm not really authentic and genuine. If I don't feel like praying, then I'm not authentic. I need to wait for, for it to be real for my heart. But that's also a misconception because we know that whether we feel like it or not, there are practical aspects of God's word and prayer. I don't read the Bible. Let me become holy. I'm going to read the Bible. Come on. It's God's word to us. It's God speaking truth to, that teaches us how to live and how to honor him. And, and it guides us in wisdom and what to do in life. I pray because I need God's intervention in my life and in the lives of others. And I want to pour out my heart and unburden myself before God casting my cares upon him. So isn't that important, Ray, to continue to pursue the Lord. Your nostrils are flaring. Well, it's because 
Um, you've answered the question beautifully, <laughs> and so I've got nothing to say. However, I want to say something that's so important. That is, listeners are missing out on the hand gestures gestures from you guys. When you talk, <laughs> the hands are flailing back beautiful? and forth, the eyes are widening because there's such passion going on in it's this. It's that inner composer in us. Yeah, out. it the really composer. is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually fascinating when you watch how people talk with their hands and how the hands actually say something uh, when you're speaking. Especially weird if we never moved our hands when we talked. Yeah, or if you. You did weird things you were just like yeah so anyways like i was saying <laughs> yeah so i'm glad i answered that question <laughs> very eloquently um, might i add I, i love to to dive in a little bit more though i think you're kind of alluding to time in god's word as a pursuit of holiness as a spiritual discipline what other disciplines do you guys find helpful to to gaze upon your father in heaven and be more like him right fasting Uh, 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 You made me me hungry. (laughs) No, this is a good point because I know that you detest fasting with everything within you, Ray, but I know that it is a discipline you practice in your life consistently. Why is that important? I wanted that for years. (laughs) What's the point of this? I get so hungry and grumpy when I, like I've said before, Jesus set the example, if you want to fast, go out in the wilderness where no one will be around you because you want to bite their head off if you're hungry. Not to mention bad breath. but Bite the head off because you're hungry. Ah. (laughs) I humbled my soul with fasting. The uh, psalmist says, so nothing humbles my soul like fasting. I realize I'm a sinner through and through when I miss a meal or so. Because I just, I, all the fruits of the Spirit disappear. <laughs> Love, joy, peace. But I'm not even creative when I'm fasting. I'm serious. I just yeah. find it very difficult. Time goes slow. It is a discipline that's so important because it keeps you walking in humility. And it reels in that monster. You know, I hear the refrigerating calling to me all the time. Hmm. Come to me, eat of me, eat of my dainties. <laughs> You're hearing voices. Right? Oh, You're yes. Right. And I sometimes find myself standing in the refrigerator staring at it. I'm not hungry. I'm just staring in there yeah. because there's this monster in me that just wants to eat and eat and eat. And so it's good to bring the reins in because uh, if I'm a man given to appetite, the Bible actually says, let me put a knife to my throat. Don't use it, but put a knife to your throat to say how serious this is. You're going to kill yourself if you let that monster out. You know, it's understood that Christians will fast. It doesn't say if you fast. Mm-hmm. It says when you fast, you know, don't be like the Pharisees. Yeah. And this, you know, so we, we, that is a good part of our spiritual discipline. And to your point, Oscar, that we fast onto the glory of God and it reminds us of who we are. We tell our body, our soul tells our body that the soul is in control. Because usually throughout life, our body tells our soul what is in control. For the Christian, this ought not be the case. Yeah, another great spiritual discipline is prayer. And in one sense, you should never cease to pray. But in another, there is, there is a kind of prayer in which you remove all distractions and you just spend time in prayer. Not just prayer in the shower, prayer on the way to work, prayer before having a conversation. I mean, set time apart to spend in prayer with God. And I think ultimately these, the three that we mentioned, there's the reading of God's word, fasting and prayer. These spiritual disciplines are a part of that Romans 13 of putting on, because the thing is, is that as we take off, like as we, when it comes to sin, we have to remove and replace. You talk about this often about filling our minds with things. Like it's not just enough to remove the sin in our life. We also have to replace it with the things of God. And I think these spiritual disciplines are a way of replacing sinful desires with godly ones. good. Yeah, meditation, prayer, fasting, journaling, mm. uh, you know. Evangelism. Oh, evangelism, yeah, <laughs> evangelism. Also, 
I think love, uh, love is a massively important spiritual What's discipline. love got to do? What's love? I, I, I hate people that aren't loving. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Save it. But, no, but you know, seriously though, like love expressed in service yeah. to discipline ourselves to have a strategy to serve people. It's so funny sometimes with Christianity because like as an example, what are you doing, right? Making fun. You like how I'm doing? What, what's what is this one? I'm ru- I'm, I'm I'm scraping my fist oh, across hey, my brow, throwing it at me, and then throwing it at Oscar. <laughs> wow, that's a, a little one. salute from Germany. I think I'm spiritually gifted with sign language. That must mean something. Yeah. <laughs> sign language. Holy <laughs> um, water. Yeah, man, that's what it is. But no, but seriously, like when we look at people that do different things in life. Oh yeah, I jog X amount every week, or I lift weights, or I do this kind of training or that, we go, oh, that's great. Christians start to talk about, yeah, I do this, oh, legalist, mm. you know? It's really, really, really sad that we look at things that way. But there's so many things that we can do as, again, a, an outgrowth of who we are in the Lord. Boy, is there any books that's been written that would help us, like by Ray Comfort or anything? Yes, the Evidence Bible. <laughs> but let me say this first, Oscar. Again, Jerry Bridges, man. Oh, I love Jerry Bridges. To be holy is to be morally blameless. It is to be separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God. Mm. The word signifies separation to God and the conduct befitting those so separated. Ah, oh, that's what's yeah. important. We're separated to God. Now have the conduct that shows that. To live a holy life then is to live a life in conformity to the moral precepts of the Bible and in contrast to the sinful ways of the world. It is to live a life characterized by the putting off of your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and putting on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So could it be summed up by saying that holiness is to be free from hypocrisy? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because of who you are, right? I mean, if you are a person, I can't even forget it. I'm not even going to try an analogy. That was, <laughs> that was, that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> <And> midway <laughs> through, my brain said, nah, quiet. It's like that's a dog chewing a bone. Yeah, why do we always have to go to those? <laughs> but yeah, no, that's good, Ray. Yeah, and just a pursuit of the Lord and, and who you are in Him. And David Brainerd said this. He said, of late, God has been pleased to keep my soul hungry almost continually, so that I have been filled with a kind of pleasing pain. When I really enjoy God, I feel my desires of Him the more insatiable and my thirstings after holiness more unquenchable. This is a guy who would go out and and fall on his face in the snow until it melted as he cried out to the Lord. But but it's, it's we don't that, do that in California. No, we Try don't. To. We don't have to. <laughs> well, unless you go up to the mountains. Let me just. I, I'm I'm curious of the individual that might be listening, who may be feeling the weight of maybe their sin, or they just feel like, man, I've been a believer. I've been walking with the Lord, but I'm I don't know if I'm pursuing holiness in the way that these guys are talking about pursuing holiness. And maybe you feel like this heavy burden, like the. The, the hole is too deep to climb out of, like you're too dirty to be cleansed. And let me just remind you of the beauty and the promise of the gospel is that this isn't a work for you to do. 
this is first and foremost a work that has been done and now you are invited to live in and through that. And I mean that to say that you, you are called to have a spiritual discipline to pursue this, but you don't have to feel the weight of past sin. You are free from that to go ahead and walk in the freedom of pursuing God's holiness right now and today. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Yeah, and let me leave you all with this, this final verse, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And that's our hope, is that we would just offer ourselves up to the Lord. Lord, I'm yours. You paid the highest price ever paid for anything in the history of the universe to redeem me. Now help me to walk in conformity to who I am. Mm. To help you do that, friends, we have the... Ray Comfort raising his hand. I'm being holy. Oh. (laughs) We have the Evidence Bible in connection with what we're talking about. The foundation to growing in holiness is being a person who's rooted in God's word and understanding it. So check it out at livingwaters.com. Please make sure to comment, to follow or subscribe to our podcast and uh, leave a comment and rate it and all that other good stuff. Thank you for joining us. Ray has his hand on his face for the Living Waters podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> we get an award for the worst ending on podcasts. And beginnings, and beginnings. And beginnings, <laughs> worst ending of beginnings. This, the, yeah, wow. join us that for was a, really good. a stale sandwich. The inside is really good. <laughs> <laughs>